Um, if you have your Bibles or your scripture journals, um, we're going to have our scripture reading now. Um, if you don't have a Bible, maybe just type it into Google and you can read along with me. Um, we are going to be reading in Hebrews 11, verses 4 to 16. This is an amazing uh, passage of scripture. It's one of my favorites. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith... Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that, was, that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country." that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. This is the word of the Lord. Morning, guys. Uh, thanks for being with us this morning. wish I could see you, but I can't. Um, if you are visiting, if you're uh, tuning in for the first time and you don't know who I am, my name's Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here at Village. Um, and... Uh, that noise was Ali knocking something over at the back. Um, and we only have one more week online, which is great, uh, next week, and then we're into Easter week, and we'll see you all on Resurrection Sunday. Can't wait for that. It feels like it's been a long time coming. Um, and maybe this passage is a wee bit more relevant because of what we've been going through recently. Um, so if I say to you this morning, the phrase, live by faith, I wonder what that means to you. Um, probably without any exp explanation or, or examples even, it's, it's pretty abstract, and it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. 
And for that reason, I think this is why the preacher in Hebrews gives us uh, all these examples from history of people who lived by faith. And maybe, maybe if you've been a Christian for a while, maybe you have your own hero of the faith. Maybe it was a parent who led you to Jesus, or maybe it's some missionary that you love reading about. For me, um, I, I think of one man in particular, a man called George Mueller. Um, years and years ago, uh, John gave me this book, The Autobiography of George Mueller, and I've just been hooked ever since, uh, to the point where last year when I was finishing off my master's, I actually got to do um, a, a paper on George Mueller, and that was just great. Um, if you don't know who George Mueller is, go and read about him because he's, uh, he, he's just this giant of the faith. And as you read George's story, um, it, it's just a story that time and time again, he just he just trusts God and amazing things happen. So one time when him and his wife, he was preaching in his church in Bristol and uh, uh, while he was doing all this other stuff, and him and his wife ran out of money because they had given it all away, probably, and they had no food, and they just prayed, and uh, that same day, a ham arrived in the post. A ham! Best post day ever. Like, Amazon has never done that for me. Um, another time, another time, this is the main thing he did. Um, he was so moved by all the starving and homeless children in Bristol that he decided to start an orphanage. Um, and he did, um, and would go on to start many orphanages, actually, and, and feed and care for thousands of children over the course of his life. Um, but to begin with, when he had this idea to start this orphanage, he didn't, he didn't ask anyone for money. He didn't go to, to rich business people. Him and his wife just prayed. Um, that asked that God would provide for them in this work, and he did, and they started to receive money. Um, his whole life was a testimony to the faithfulness of God, and if, if George were here this morning, I'm pretty convinced uh, that he would say, stop making this about me. It's about God doing stuff. It's not about me, and he was right, but that brings me back to this original question. What does living by faith really mean? What does it mean to you? When you hear that phrase, do you think of great missionaries um, that saw miracles happen, that, uh, that they saw God meet their needs in amazing ways? Do you think of all those martyrs who, not just in the old times, but even today, who, who die because they refuse to deny their love for Jesus? And all these stories are great, and I think we should read of the heroes of faith. It's in Scripture, these heroes of faith, for our encouragement they're there to inspire us and encourage us and spur us on. But, but maybe when you hear a story like George Mueller, or even some of the people we're going to read about over the next few weeks in Hebrews chapter 11, you just think, that's not me. Because <laughs> that's my initial response. You think, I'm just ordinary. I'm just a normal Christian. Listen, I'm just trying to make it through the week without losing it altogether. I've got my job and that's stressful enough and I've got my kids that are driving me crazy and on top of that, my mental health isn't great and this week I've just been feeling pretty down to be honest. Life is just too hard for me to live by faith. And if we're honest, we can probably all relate to that story way more easy than we can relate to George Mueller. We're all just trying to follow Jesus as best we can and we find it tough. We've got decisions to make. And some days, it just feels too hard. We're in need of endurance. And thankfully, endurance is why God, through this, this preacher of Hebrews, has given us this encouragement. If we, if we flick back to chapter 10 and verse 36 that John took us through two weeks ago, here's the reason why he's given us uh, these examples of faith. 
Hebrews 10, 36, for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. You have need of endurance. Man, this is a a timely word for us, I think. We're all a bit weary. (laughs) I think that goes without saying at this point. In fact, last night uh, we were watching TV. No, it was the other night we were watching Comic Relief and and, uh, I was just saying to Haley, like the one thing I'm looking forward to at the end of this is people not talking about how hard this is. Um, But we're all fed up. We're all tired. From speaking to a lot of you this week, I know that um, you're struggling with loneliness, depression, anxiety. I know that stress and worry is rife. I know that some of you are sick and have ongoing health problems. And I can lift this phrase, we can lift this phrase right out of Hebrews this morning and apply it to our church. We are in need of endurance. But there's a danger, a danger, and it's not a danger of Scripture, it's a sinful danger that comes from us, a danger of looking to these great examples of faith that we're about to. And the danger is that we misinterpret this, and we say, well, that's not for me, that's, that's not us, that's only the special ones, only the special few have faith like that. Or even worse, and maybe this is probably more relatable, we can look at people like, uh, like Abraham and Moses, and even George Mueller, or you insert your own hero of the faith, and we think, if I'm not achieving these incredible, great, grand things, then I'm not living by faith. And we get discouraged. Maybe we're even more tempted to give up. But before we begin this journey in Hebrews chapter 11 and looking at these examples of faith, can I just say, this isn't true. The older I get and the more I read the Bible, the more I see that, that an ordinary life lived in faith and trust in God is just as pleasing to him. That's what most Christians are doing. People of my generation, we were sold this lie that we were all going to be history makers. We were all going to go out and change the world. But when I, when I read the Bible, I don't see that. I see that most Christians are called to just trust the promises of God in the day-to-day. The vast majority of us won't go on to, 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 to be like Noah or Moses or Sarah or George Mueller or, or insert your hero there. And that's okay. In fact, it's more than okay because we've got things the wrong way around. The success of a life of faith can't be measured in the same way that the world measures success. And what we need to grasp is that in the kingdom of God, the ordinary life lived by faith is a success. I'm convinced that when we get to heaven, we're going to be pretty surprised by the people who are given the most honor. It'll be the Christian who has been faithful, a faithful friend for years and years, just consistently praying for that one person to come to know Jesus and consistently sharing the gospel with them. It'll be the believer that goes to work every day and faithfully does her job to the best of her ability for the glory of God. It'll be the parent who raises their children just to know and love Jesus. It's these things that are successful in the kingdom of God. Listen to the way Jesus talked about the kingdom of God. It's a a tiny mustard seed. It's buried treasure. It's humility. It's prayers in, in private. These things are great in the kingdom of God. So as we begin to look at these examples of faith in Hebrews 11, please don't be put off or discouraged. Be encouraged to to live by faith. It's just simply reading God's promises into every day, into, into your everyday life. 
So, so what does it mean to live by faith? To live by faith is to read God's promises into every situation. To live by faith is to read God's promises into every situation. And in our passage this morning that Ali read for us, we see five examples of living by faith. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, and Sarah. Although Abraham and Sarah, they were married and they're just kind of together. So firstly, we, well, we see this, three, this living by faith played out in three ways. Firstly, we see that living by faith pleases God. That's our first one. The preacher of Hebrews goes right back to the very beginning of history, right? And, and, and he gives us the examples of Abel and, and Enoch. These two guys, even though they're, they're seven generations apart, have something in common. They both pleased God. They were both accepted by God. They, they both pleased God in the way they lived. Abel was the second son of Adam and Eve, and he was murdered by his older brother Cain, right? So very first human beings... Their children, one kills the other. Like, not the best start to humanity. And we tend to look at this story and we think, oh, Cain's the baddie and, and Abel's the goodie. That's what we do, isn't it? Like, we, tend, we do that all across the Bible. But the point of the story is not about anything inherently good or bad in the brothers. The point is about Abel's faith. Cain's lack of faith. They both make sacrifices to God. But it was because of his faith that Abel's sacrifice was more acceptable to God than Cain's. And the point is this. Abel wasn't approved because of his offering. Rather, Abel's offering was approved because of his faith. His offering, his sacrifice, wasn't some vain attempt to try and earn God's favor. In other words, it wasn't so much about what he did for God as it, as it was about his heart for God. You see that? This is a key part of living by faith. Doing what you do with your heart for God. Going to work and wiping those tables uh, with a heart for God. Going to work and, and analyzing that data or whatever you do for, with a heart for God. Living by faith. Simply reading God's promises into every situation and putting that into action. And Abel brought his offering to God with the right heart towards God. He wasn't trying to earn God's favor. He knew he had God's favor through faith. And the author of Hebrews tells us that this example, his example still speaks to us today. His example of faith in the God who exists and rewards those who seek him. This is how we please God. By believing in him, by trusting his promises, and by putting all our confidence in him alone. That's what Abel did. Listen, it doesn't matter what you do. If you don't do it with the right heart attitude, it won't be acceptable to God. We can do all these amazing things for God, but if our heart isn't for God, it doesn't really matter. This is what we see over and over and over again in Scripture. God is after our hearts. And in our church, you can, you can serve on the welcome team. You can serve on the, mu the music team. You can be committed to your missional community. You can show up to every prayer meeting. You can give generously. You can even be the pastor. But if you do all these things without faith, all you're doing is trying to please God through your efforts. And as verse 6 tells us, without faith, it's impossible to please God. God wants our hearts, not our efforts. And trust me, when he has your heart, your efforts are going to follow. 
The people who do the most for God are the people who are most in love with God. You ever notice that? People I know in my life who just uh, seem to be constantly doing incredible things for God or even just incredible loving their neighbors and being joyful. It's because of the, mo- the people who are most in love, in love with God. Now, Enoch, Enoch has a similar example, even though his story is completely opposite almost to Abel's. Abel had a pretty grisly end, being mur- bur- uh, murdered in some field by his own brother. Pretty grim. But on the other hand, Enoch was spared death altogether, right? Do you know sometimes whenever you like hear of somebody old and, and they you like die in their sleep, you know, they just, oh yeah, they just fell asleep and didn't wake up. They woke up in the arms of Jesus. Isn't that the way to go? Well, actually, Enoch has the ultimate way to go, you know? Like he uh, just is walking about one day and then disappears. God takes him. Isn't that incredible? Genesis 5 tells us that Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Actually, people were going around looking for him. They couldn't find him because God took him. And there isn't much else that the Bible tells us about him apart from how he left earth. But we do know what kind of life he lived while he was on earth. We know that he lived by faith because it tells us that he walked with God. That's what living by faith is. Talking with God, loving God, enjoying God, being motivated by God, desiring God, making every decision based on the truth of God. Living by faith is simply reading God's promises into every situation. And this is what pleases God. This is why Enoch and Abel please God. You see, too often we, we think of, of faith as of just a list of things that we believe, right? But really having faith is when we live what we believe. And here's something to note. When you go back into Genesis, Genesis chapter 4 and 5, and you, and you read the accounts of Abel and Enoch, the word faith isn't even mentioned, but yet the, the, the preacher in Hebrews is confident to, to you hold them up as examples of faith. Why? Because it was their actions that showed that they lived by faith. We know that these men please God because there's no other way to please God except through faith. And listen, it doesn't matter what I say I believe if my heart doesn't mean it and my life doesn't prove it. It doesn't matter what I say I believe if my heart doesn't mean it and my life doesn't prove it. That's the challenge of living by faith. In other words, the challenge is, is your your faith genuine? Do you just say that Jesus is Lord, but your life hasn't changed? Do you just do things for God, not because you love God? Just like we've done with Abel and Enoch, if if someone from the future came back and, and examined your life, could they say, there's somebody that lived by faith? Living by faith to please God, simply reading God's promises into every situation. Secondly, he moves on and he gives us this this other example of Noah. Listen to what he says about Noah in verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, we don't have time, obviously, to go into every detail of the story of Noah, but here's a quick recap. God told Noah that he was going to send a flood uh, that would cover the earth, and this was going to be judgment for all the sin of the world. 
And then he gave him instructions on how to be saved by building an ark that would save all the animals and his family. And from then, Noah would go on to, was commanded to go on and start civilization all over again. Be fruitful and multiply was a command given him, the same as was given to Adam in the garden. So God told Noah that he was going to do something extraordinary, something that never before seen in the world. Both Noah and the people around him in the world had never seen anything like this before. And he was far inland from the sea and he was building an ark and it would have seemed absolutely insane to the people around him. In fact, it did. And the people mocked him and laughed at him. Like, what are you doing, Noah? How can you live this way? How can you, how can you believe this stuff? This is mental. And yet, Noah simply took God at his word. Noah believed God, and not just believed in his head, he actually believed him in his actions. You see, that's our second point. Living by faith is taking God at his word. Living by faith takes God at his word. Noah took God at his word, and he made all the preparations for the day uh, when what God said would happen would actually happen. Living by faith is simply taking God at his word. He was in the middle of the countryside, I mean, in my head, this was like, not a cloud in the sky, <laughs> you know. But when God says it's going to rain, you have to build a boat. He builds a boat. This is what faith does. Faith hears the word of God and simply believes it. Takes God at his word. What's more, Noah puts his faith into action. He didn't just believe it. He obeyed. He took God at his word and then allowed that word to, to shape his whole life. Verse 1 of Hebrews 11, Alan explained this to us last week, that, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And this is what Noah lived out. People around him going, you are mad. They're, what are you talking about? Do you see where we live? Why do you need a boat? And Noah says, yeah, but God says it's going to rain. God says I'm going to need a boat, so I'm building a boat. And you know, when I read of Noah... I just think how pitiful my own faith is. How often do I question God's word instead of just believing it? How often do I refuse to believe it? Never mind put it into action. This is what we do, isn't it? We question and we wrestle. God, did you really say to love my enemies and, and, and pray for those who persecute me? Can that really be true? God, did you really say that, that sex is only for men and women who are married to each other? Did you really say that the distinction between male and female is a good thing to be celebrated and is for our flourishing? How can those things be true? God, look, if I believe those things and practice those things, everyone around me is going to think I'm crazy. They're going to mock me. And probably even worse, I'm not going to get very far in life if I believe and practice those things. But this is what living by faith is. It's just taking God at his word, isn't it? Just like Noah. And listen, if you ask the questions, these questions, if you're questioning God's word, you're asking a question as old as sin itself. Did God really say? This is the very basis of sin. This is the question that Satan came along in the garden and tempted Eve with and led her astray with and that Adam believed. Did God really say? Doubting God's word is the cause of sin, but trusting God's word is the path to salvation. It's as simple as that. Isn't this what we see in the story of Noah? If Noah had questioned what God had said, if he had listened to the people around him who mocked him, 
He would just have been swept away in the flood like everyone else. But what does verse 7 tell us? It tells us that it was because he feared God that he built the ark for the salvation of his household. And through this obedient faith, he, re- he receives this inherent inheritance of righteousness. In other words, it was his obedient faith that saved him. Doubting God's word is the, is the cause of sin, but trusting God's word is the way to salvation. Now, there's two things I want to say about this before I move on. Firstly, I want to acknowledge that we all doubt, okay? Um, the, the point of this is, the point of this any of these examples of faith isn't to beat us over the head with the don't doubt stick, right? That's not what's going on here. I know that it's all well and good for me to say to you this morning, look, just take God God at his word. But that's not so simple in real life, is it? Even though we've been saved uh, by the, the, the power of sin in our lives, we still live with the presence of sin in our lives, and we all still wrestle with the question, did God really say And honestly, our wrestling will continue. Your wrestling will continue until Jesus returns and and glorifies us and makes us perfect. But we're not alone in our wrestling, okay? We have the Holy Spirit who has made his home in us. In other words, if you're a Christian, God himself lives in you. So when you come to parts of his word that you're struggling to believe, that you're struggling to put into action, that you're saying, God, did you really say this? Just ask him for help. He's not mad at you for wrestling with his word. He's not cross with you for doubting him. He loves you and he is for you and he just wants you to, to live by faith. So ask him for help. If you're struggling this morning, brother or sister, just ask him for help. Ask him to help you believe that this word is true. And keep on asking him until your heart has changed and your faith begins to grow. Now, secondly, thing, second thing about Noah before we move on. If you're not a Christian, the example of Noah still applies to you. And here's how. Noah believed God when God said there was a coming judgment and then he followed, followed God's instructions to be saved from that judgment. And God tells us in the Bible that there is another judgment coming. That one day, God's judgment will be poured out on all those who, trust, who don't trust him. And the only way to be spared this coming judgment is to follow God's instructions for salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Jesus is like the ark who carries us through the flood of God's judgment safely into new life, full life in the new creation. And if you want to be saved, you need to take God at his word. Judgment is coming, but you can be saved just by trusting in in what he says, that the way to salvation is believing in Jesus. Just take God at his word. So, living by faith pleases God, and living by faith takes God at his word. Thirdly then, living by faith seeks our heavenly home. Now, I wish we had, I was just saying to John this morning, I wish we had time to, Uh, unpack all of these examples into every minute detail. I wish we could go back and examine every aspect of the lives of Abraham and Sarah, but we just simply don't have time. But our fourth and fifth example this morning is that of Abraham and Sarah. And if you're not example with their story, go back and read Genesis chapter 12 to Genesis 25. 
Um, incredible stories of faith, time and time and time again. But here's a quick summary. Abraham was called by God to leave his homeland and follow God. Now, when him and Sarah left their home, they didn't even know where they were going. God just said, listen, follow me, and I will take you to the place where I'm going to show you, right? It's just like setting out on a journey and not knowing where your destination is, except that you're going to go somewhere. And historians tell us that Abraham and Sarah's homeland was a land of plenty, right? It was, it was wealthy, it was powerful, it was secure, it was technologically advanced, there was great architecture, they, they had built this huge tower that was just designed for examining the, or for exploring and studying the stars. And God says, I want you to leave all that behind. Because no matter how good you have it here, I have something far, far greater in store for you. I want you to leave the comfort and security of your life and follow me. I want you to take your eyes off the world you live in and by faith fix them on this new and better home that lies ahead. And so they went. Abraham and Sarah, leaving behind, and they were old, by the way, when they did this, right? They were really old. Living, leaving behind all their family and friends, everyone they knew, and everything they valued. Why? Because they were living by faith. They were reading the promises of God into every situation. God said it, so we'll do it. God said it, we believe it. And by faith, they laid claim to God's promise of an even greater home that lay ahead. And, and this is the calling on every Christian. And, and for, for some of you, this will mean physically leaving your homeland and traveling across the world. But for others, you might never leave home. Some of you might live on the same street you grew up on until the day you die or Jesus returns. But the call is still the same. Take your eyes off the world and by faith look to the better home that lies ahead this better home that, G- that God, Jesus has prepared for you and God has designed. Listen to what, what verses 9 and 10 tell us. It says, By faith he, that's Abraham, by faith Abraham went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Abraham went to live in the land of promise. But even there, he lived there as a foreigner in tents. Him and Sarah and their son Isaac and Isaac's son, Isaac's son Jacob living in tents like foreigners. And why is it that they could do this? Why were they content and happy to live like foreigners? Because they were looking forward to the city that has foundations. You know what tents don't have that cities do? Foundations. Our heavenly home, the new creation, will never pass away. It's eternal and permanent. And and you know what? The trick of this world is to make us think that it's permanent. But it's not. It is in the sense that God will redeem and, and renew his creation and we will live in this renewed earth with him. But all the kingdoms, all the governments, all the countries, all the powers of this world are temporary. And day by day we get tricked into thinking that this is all there is. And we put down more and more roots and we invest more and more of our time and resources into the things of this kingdom instead of looking by faith 
and seeing his perfect coming kingdom. This, this kingdom that, you notice what it says? Verse 10, whose designer and builder is God. A kingdom that God himself is designing, that God himself is building, his city with eternal foundations. Now imagine you could go back to Abraham somehow, go back in time, back to the future style, and, and you could meet Abraham and you could describe to him the, the world that we live in now, right? Pretty sure he would think, you guys are there. You guys are in the promised land. He, I mean, he was looking forward to like a land flow of milk and honey. And you could say, mate, wait, you hear about Deliveroo. That's going to blow your mind, right? You get a Big Mac to your house in 20 minutes. Come on. Whatever you want on Amazon next day. Well, at least you could before Brexit, but that's another story. But here's the thing, we get so enamored with the conveniences and the comfort of this world that we think it's, it's permanent. And listen, if we are following Jesus, if we are listening, if we are living by faith, we can't be satisfied with what we see around us. You can't throw away your heavenly home for the convenience of Deliveroo. I don't, I don't know where that came from, but I think it's true. Don't get me wrong. We should be thankful for the good things that we have in this life. But we need to live in the faith that this is nothing, nothing compared to the new earth, the, the, new, the new creation, this heavenly home that God is designing and building for us with eternal permanent foundations, with no pain, with no depression, with no loneliness, with no anxiety, with no death, with no suffering. When we live by faith, looking forward to our true home, this world can never satisfy us. And we can't afford, you know, we can't afford to lose our hope of, our, hope of our eternal heavenly home. You see, if, if we're really like Noah, um, if we're like Noah and we're being mocked and, and opposed and persecuted for obeying God, in those times, it's vital to remember that we are strangers here, that we are exiles, like it says, that our true home lies ahead. If we lose the conveniences and the comforts of life now, if that's okay with us, because we have this eternal, permanent, heavenly home that's designed and built by God. And so I would say that two things. Firstly, of course we're weird, we're going to be weird because we're not citizens of this world. We're citizens of heaven. Secondly, we need to talk about heaven more. <laughs> we need to get excited about the coming kingdom of God. We need to uh, retrieve the practice of actively looking forward to heaven. You know what struck me this week? And I'd never thought about this before. Was that, that, that the patriarchs, that Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and all those guys, they weren't just looking forward to the promised land of Canaan. They were looking forward to heaven the same as we are. That's what Hebrews 11 tells us. And we need to retrieve the practice of actively looking forward to heaven. And so I wonder, if we truly put more value in the kingdom of God than we do in this world, how would our lives change? I wonder how our church would change. I wonder how our streets and our neighborhoods and our city would change if we were actually living in the hope of this, of this eternal coming kingdom. Here's the thing about faith. 
Living by faith is constantly moving forward. The other day I watched a documentary about the history of bicycles because, well, nobody else in this church is going to do that except maybe one person I can think of. But I'm a nerd and I like engineering, I like bikes, and so there you go. Um, But can you imagine when the first guy shows up with a bike and he's like, here's my invention, and then he lets go and it just falls over and people are like, what is this? When you got two wheels and you have to pedal it yourself and it doesn't even stay up, right? But the thing about a bike is it only stays up when it's moving forward. And, and uh, this is like living by faith. Living by faith keeps moving forward to that heavenly home. We are, in a very real sense, sojourners on a journey, exiles in this world. And one day Jesus is going to come back and this kingdom that we've been trying to live out here and now is going to make sense because he's going to bring that kingdom with him. And so by faith, we keep pressing on to the day when Jesus returns. Living by faith seeks our heavenly home. Now listen, I'm almost done and here's what I want to finish with. As we go through Hebrews 11, the point is not to find our hope in these men and women of faith. Yes, we can be inspired by them and encouraged by them and learn from their examples, but the point is to find our hope in Jesus. That's always the point, right? That's the point of every page of the Bible, to find our hope in Jesus. So, so maybe, you're, maybe you don't have faith to build an ark right now. Maybe you don't have faith to leave your homeland behind like Abraham and Sarah. Maybe you barely have enough faith to make it through the day. Well, can I say this to you? Look to Jesus. Our hope isn't in Abel or Enoch or Noah or Abraham or Sarah. Jesus is the better Abel. Abel offered an acceptable sacrifice, but Jesus is the acceptable sacrifice. Jesus is the better Enoch. Enoch walked with God and God took him. Jesus walked as God among us and God took him to heaven. Jesus is the better Noah. Noah obeyed God and and, and made an ark that saved eight people. Jesus obeyed God and became the ark that can save all people who believe in him, that carries us through the storm of God's judgment. Jesus is the better Abraham. Abraham left his nation, his family, uh, to become the father of a great nation. But Jesus left the father's side, left the glory of heaven, and through his death and resurrection became not just the father of a great nation, but the father of the eternal kingdom of God. And so if you are in need of endurance today, and I think we all are, if your faith feels small, if you think, I'm not like those guys, I'm just ordinary. Well, don't just look to these heroes of the faith. Look to the source of their faith. Don't measure the size of your faith against theirs. Measure the size of your faith against the object of your faith. Take courage this morning, brothers and sisters. There's so much love in Jesus. There's so much patience in Jesus. There's so much forgiveness in Jesus. There's so much grace in Jesus. And so no matter how weak or small or insignificant your faith feels today, there is more grace in Jesus than there is sin in us. He is our endurance. He's how we make it through. So be encouraged. Let's live by faith in Jesus. Let's Uh, let's please God, let's take him at his word, and let's seek that eternal home. Um, Just read God's promises into every situation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that
Um, faith is this thing that you've given to us. Um, so Lord, I do pray that as you have made your home in us, your church, that you would cause our faith to grow, cause our strength to, to rise. Um, Lord, we do feel like outcasts. We can scarcely believe the things that you ask us to believe sometimes and never mind live out in the world. But Lord, we ask for your help because we, we, are, we, we know we don't belong here. We know that we're only strangers in this world and that someday our faith will be vindicated. Someday your kingdom will come. Um, Lord, in the meantime, as, as we're just weak and feeble and tired trying to make it through um, the day, never mind make it through the year, um, Father, I just pray that you would uh, strengthen our faith. Holy Spirit, do a work, a miraculous work in our hearts this morning in your church. Father, I pray that you would change us I pray that we would live as citizens of heaven. I pray, Lord, that, that, that you would cause something miraculous to happen in our church so that we are people of heaven. Father, I pray that you would make us bold. I pray that you would make us joyful. I pray, Lord, that, 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 that people um, would see Jesus through the way that we live. Use us, Lord, and our faith in you to reveal yourself to the world around us. Lord, I pray especially for the, the week this morning. And I include myself very much in that. Um, I pray for um, the people who are struggling in our church, um, the people whose faith just feeds through the floor. I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen them especially this morning. May you comfort them. May they know that in the arms of Jesus there's more grace than they could ever imagine. We love you, Lord. Be glorified. Amen.